0: Hello and welcome to Mindful of Everything, with me, Agrita, a podcast giving you insights to the minds of deep thinkers, where in each episode I'll be discussing various thoughts and questions deep thinkers often find themselves mindful of, from topics such as climate change to self-development and everything else in between. So, let the journey of mind unravelling begin now. Just as a quick recap, this episode is directly linked to the previous episode, part 3.1, where I was talking about the emissions related to agriculture. Today's episode will be looking at the ways in which we can reduce the emissions related to agriculture. So let's begin. I have decided to split up the solutions into ways governments and farmers can help reduce emissions related to agriculture and how we, the public, can collectively reduce emissions related to agriculture and food. So first off, I'm going to be talking about government and farmers, how they can reduce their own emissions. First of all, the government, they just need to ensure that all food items and not even just food items, but commodities like shampoos and toothpaste and whatever that we use, all of those things have environmental labels on them. Like I mentioned in the previous part of this episode, palm oil, for instance, is in basically everything, even the things we don't eat. So we just need to make sure that whatever resources we are using, we are using them in a sustainable way that doesn't harm the environment or the habitats that we source that resource from. So governments need to make sure that companies are sourcing resources from a sustainable provider, and that all items have environmental labels on them. The way they can do that is just to increase the monitoring on organisations, make monitoring regular. And if organisations need help in how they can source something sustainably, teach them, show them ways. Also, governments just need to sign international agreements where nations come together and try to cut down global emissions related to livestock and agriculture so the whole world needs to come together and make sure there are regulations for businesses and companies on how much they can emit and especially the agricultural sector making sure practices are sustainable and they're reducing the amount of emissions released It's all fine to sign agreements, but what about the actual action? What are organisations expecting out of these agreements? Governments essentially need to educate farmers, and there are many, many ways that they can do this. First of all, farmers need to be told that their practices can significantly impact climate change, ultimately affecting the sustainability of their farms. So governments need to go out there and actually tell farmers that yes, your practices can be impacting climate change. Lots of people don't even know that. So, of course, lots of farmers wouldn't even know that their unsustainable practices or the practices that they've been continuing to use actually have a bad impact on the environment, a.k.a. their farms. Governments or government organisations should be providing farmers with feed that is sustainably sourced. Or at least teach them to grow feed that is better for the environment, that doesn't produce as much methane when livestock digest it. And make sure that that feed is grown ethically. For example, that feed is not affecting food supplies for humans. So governments and organisations actually need to tell farmers that you need to change some of your practices because it is affecting the climate. You can also tell farmers to improve their breeding practices. Shift from, let's say, a battery style farm to a more organic farm. Focus on natural breeding. Natural breeding not only does reduce livestock numbers, but it also increases the quality of livestock. So that's a win win situation right there. Farmers also need to be told to limit their use of antibiotics or just cut them out entirely. Because the more antibiotics they use, the more humans will eat. And of course, that will affect our health in the long term. Educating farmers can help them learn better ways to manage manure so they can limit the amount of methane being released from the manure and plus they will know how to make sure that the nutrients from the manure is recycled into the earth and not allowing vast amounts of methane being released into the environment because of poor management. Through education farmers can get to know better grazing techniques. Governments need to tell farmers not to keep on deforesting new land. Instead just close off a bit of land and use that. Also use a technique of rotating land use. So for instance, if you cut off a bit of land and you section out a bit just for grazing, once that area has been used quite a lot, the cattle can then, cattle or livestock, can then move on to a next part of that closed section and the part that they have grazed on, that can be restored. And so you're constantly reusing the land but making sure that you're not completely removing the nutrients. Farmers can also be told how to restore land, how to restore habitats, instead of relying on deforesting and getting new land for grazing. I will talk about the benefits and how you can restore lands in a separate episode, where I'll be talking about deforestation and how planting trees isn't our solution, but actually like a last resort. Also for farmers, financial incentives should be put in place everybody loves money. Everybody loves money. And if you're telling farmers that if you sustainably farm, we will give you this much or this amount of money, they will of course do it. Or if you say if you farm sustainably, we'll give you more tools or more land or more seeds, whatever it is the farmers want. If we put those incentives in, the likelihood of sustainable farming increasing will definitely be higher. So I definitely think that governments have a big role in reducing emissions related to agriculture by definitely educating farmers better and actually telling them that they don't have to change much but if they change a tiny bit of the way that they farm it can not only help them but also their surroundings and also the planet overall. So farmers need to be told that and I think governments have a massive role to play for that but farmers themselves can do many things they don't have to rely on the government to implement stuff for instance they can do conservation tillage where essentially only the top of the soil is turned over rather than turning over chunks of soil that people do when they plow land so if farmers convert to tillage instead of plowing land not only is this not releasing carbon dioxide back into the environment but it's also making soils more rich. In ploughing, you actually lose quite a lot of not only carbon content, but also the rich nutrients in the soil. And that, of course, makes the land very prone to droughts and soil erosion, and essentially you get barren land. Lots of people don't know this. Lots of people plough. I know many countries that rely on ploughing, but if farmers just convert to tillage instead of ploughing, it will definitely help maintain the soil carbon and the nutrients, and therefore providing sustainable environments for farming. A lot of problems with crop agriculture actually come with how we treat the soil. There is a lovely TED talk. Again, I forgot the name of the person. It's really bad. I always forget the name of the person that says a TED talk. I'm always like, oh, that's a really good TED talk. Sorry about that. You'll find it on my website. The TED talk just talks about the importance of looking after soils and how if we do that we can actually help solve this climate crisis quicker than we thought but essentially soil is actually a very massive carbon sink whenever we talk about carbon sinks we always think about trees and oceans soil actually holds a lot of carbon it can actually hold up to 3000 billion metric tons of carbon so that's 315 times the amount of carbon we as humans release into the atmosphere already 315 times more so if we are ensuring that that carbon is staying in the soil and not releasing back into the environment we will be helping climate change immensely so we need to be taking care of our soils we need to be managing them in a sustainable way and one way of that is definitely conservation tillage making sure that you're only upturning the top of soils instead of upturning big amounts of soil and then releasing so much carbon and also losing a lot of nutrients so we just need to be aware that there is a lot of carbon in soil so we need to make sure that that isn't released into the environment there are many ways that you can actually capture carbon in soil i'm not going to go over them today but you can definitely watch that ted talk and find out if you wish farmers should also be irrigating properly again there are many ways to do this but you can use sprinklers for instance They are much better than hoses because they save a lot of water by uniformly watering fields of crops. So it makes sure that enough water is spread to each plant. With hoses or with other ways to water plants it uses more energy and it uses much much more water. Another good thing about sprinklers is that they are very long-lasting. They last up to 10 years, so they're very sustainable in the long term and you can also replace the heads of sprinklers instead of replacing the entire sprinkler. Farmers can also get soil moisture sensors. The sensors will tell them exactly how moist the soil is. That helps them find out exactly how much they need to irrigate and again, it stops them from overwatering plants. It saves so much more water. It saves so much energy, all beneficial to the climate, all beneficial to the planet. Also, farmers should be regularly checking their water pipes and pumps to make sure there are no leakages. Again, that will save water and save energy, save a lot of money as well, and it will make sure that their crop yield is as high as possible instead of them overwatering or watering plants less and the crop yield will be affected. So there are many, many ways that farmers can irrigate properly. Again, governments can educate themselves and farmers themselves can take the initiative and use these methods themselves. They don't need to wait for governments to tell them to do so. I think essentially the solutions for governments and farmers are very intertwined because if the government tells farmers to do all of these things, then they'll be more aware. And farmers can also independently take on these solutions as well. So it's all mixed together. Farmers should also be replacing broken parts of machinery, any machinery that they use, instead of throwing the entire machinery away and getting a new one. Not only will that be much, much, much less expensive, but it will prevent a product ending up in the landfill that could have easily just been fixed and then used again. Again, that is saving a lot of emissions. You can imagine the emissions related to producing trucks or producing any sort of other agricultural tool. So if farmers just try to see if they can actually replace broken parts instead of throwing the entire machinery away, it will save them a lot of money, it will cut down on their emissions, and it is beneficial for basically everyone. Another very, very important thing that farmers should be doing, and again, governments should really be telling farmers to do this, Many farmers already know how to do this, especially the organic farmers, using natural fertilisers. Essentially, we need to reduce or completely stop the usage of artificial fertilisers. There are many, many disadvantages to artificial fertilisers. For instance, they're harmful for health and they cause eutrophication. can also contaminate soil. There are many disadvantages. We all know about it. And there are also many types of natural fertilisers that farmers can easily use that are very good, very nutritious for soils and also aren't harmful for the environment. There is an ecologist article on this, again it's on my website, and they've gone through many different natural fertilisers. I want to share some with you right now. So of course, first of all, you have cow manure, the easiest type of natural fertiliser that farmers can use but farmers need to make sure that they're only using cow manure from organic cows that have not been given antibiotics because if you're using cow manure from cows that have been given antibiotics, there are antibiotic residues in that cow manure. So if you're putting it onto plants to help them grow, again, those plants will be taking those antibiotics in, we will be eating them and then there is no benefit to that. So like I said, we need to just stop using antibiotics or at least reduce it heavily and if farmers have organic cows they can use that cow manure to grow plants. You also have kelp fertilizers. Kelp is a type of seaweed and kelp is really good because it's predominantly potassium based. It helps a lot with soil development and it helps plants develop the ability to tolerate extreme weather as well. You also have the alfalfa fertilizers, alfalfa is a plant and apparently is very good for improving soil quality and also very very good for roses so if any farmers are growing roses using the alfalfa plant fertilizer will be very good you also have limestone fertilizer it's all good but you need to make sure that the ph of the soil is not already acidic because again if you're putting in limestone you'll be making it more acidic You also have chicken manure and apparently chicken manure contains the most amount of nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus. So it's great for farmers that have chickens. But you need to also make sure that you can't put raw chicken manure onto plants. Apparently that actually burns plants because of the high amount of nutrients it has in it. Again, I'm pretty sure that farmers might know this and it's not that hard. I think there's a way to manage the chicken manure before you can put it onto plants. So there are many ways that farmers can actually make their farming more sustainable, make it more environmentally friendly. There are not many new or alien ways to do this. You just need to change certain aspects of your techniques that you're using right now and eventually farmers will get used to it and then they'll be paying more attention to how they are providing food to the rest of the world, to their consumers. Okay, so that was how governments and farmers can reduce their emissions related to agriculture. What can we as individuals, because I love emphasising the power we have as individuals to help solve things, what can we as individuals do to reduce the amount of emissions related to food and agriculture? First of all, the best thing we can do as people, as the public, is reduce the amount of food we are wasting. We waste overall around a third of the food we produce we eat only two-thirds of the food we produce that's massive in the uk alone every single year around 10 million tons of food is thrown in the bin food that could have been eaten i'm not talking about stale food or moldy food food that has gone off food that can actually be eaten around 25 percent of all harvested fruits and vegetables are never even consumed 25% is massive. Think about all of those plants, fruit, vegetables that have been grown and emissions have been released to grow those plants, to grow those crops. And we aren't even eating 25% of them. That's massive. Friends of the Earth have said that if food waste was a country, it would be the third largest emitter of greenhouse gases in the world. So not only is agriculture producing emissions of its own, us wasting completely platable food is producing so much methane and carbon dioxide, just greenhouse gases in general. So we need to do something about it. And we the people, we are the reason that this food is being wasted. So we need to do something about it. And the best way is just to not waste food. But how can you actually make sure that you're not wasting food? How do you reduce your food wastage? Again, I'm just going to go through some different ways that you can reduce your food waste. The first way, of course, is just to cut out your habit of actually stocking food. A lot of the time, we actually just buy a lot of food, thinking that we'll eat it maybe after a day, after two days, after three days. But by the time you come, let's say it's been a week and that thing has expired and now you have to throw it away. So you just wasted food that you could have eaten. So definitely try to reduce the amount of stocking you do. To help you reduce this, take a shopping list. Only write down the things you need for the next two days. Maximum three days. Unless, obviously, you're getting processed foods like chocolate. But, again, you should be cutting down your consumption of processed foods because they're not good for your health and not good for the planet either. Also, to help you reduce the amount of things you throw away because you've stocked too much, just declutter your fridge, your refrigerator. Do a quick check, see what's in your refrigerator, see what you should be cooking because it's going to be expiring soon and push the things that will expire more forward and the things that won't expire quicker towards the back. The second way you can cut down on your food wastage is to actually understand the difference between use by dates and best before dates. Many people get confused by this, sometimes I also have to stop for a minute and think okay... What is the difference again there is a really good article on gov.uk again the links on my website and it shows you the differences between use by and best before dates i'll just go through that now use by means you must eat it before the date for your safety so for your health any use by date if it's passed you need to throw that thing away so when you see a use by date you must eat that item Before that date. When you see a best before date, that best before date is not for your safety or for your health, it's actually just for the quality of the food. So let's say you buy a pack of tomatoes and it has a best before date. After that date, the tomatoes could get a bit soft, but they're very safe to eat. So we need to make sure that we can differentiate between used by dates and best before dates. Use by means that if it has passed that date, if it has passed the use by date, you cannot eat it because it's a risk to your health, you need to throw it away. If the best before date has been passed, you can still eat the item. It won't be of the best quality, essentially, or most likely, but you can still eat it. So always focus on the use by date instead of the best before dates. Of course, this doesn't really apply to liquids or drinks or dairy products or milk products because once they've gone off they've gone off and you can get really sick if you think okay it's fine I'll just have this thing I'll just have this milk product or dairy products you'll have to throw those things away and that is reasonable but in terms of fruit and vegetables even meat I understand you have to just throw it away because you can't risk it the risk of you getting poisoned is really high. But in terms of fruits and vegetables, definitely just eat it, even if it's gone after the best before date, because that's just talking about the quality and not your safety. One thing I found really good is that many supermarkets are actually now removing the expiry dates from fruits and vegetables, essentially to just stop people throwing them away when they are basically perfect to eat. I'm really lucky that my family really hate throwing stuff away, especially food, especially my dad. He is very strict about eating things on time and making sure that everybody eats everything and nothing is going to waste but occasionally we do throw stuff away because like I said we overstock and then we forget stuff out in the fridge. So if you do see an expiry date on a vegetable and the vegetable looks perfectly fine that means you can eat it. Unless the vegetable has a deep cut in it and you can see the mould or If it's gone really soft and really floppy, then I understand you need to throw it away. But if the vegetable is looking perfectly fine, if the fruit is looking perfectly fine and it has gone off according to the expiry date, you can definitely eat it. You know, don't waste food just because the date says so. That's why many supermarkets have actually stopped putting the expiry date on for fresh produce because people just keep throwing it away thinking, oh, I'm going to go by the supermarket's expiry date. I'm going to make that as my guideline. No, just literally look at it and feel it. If it's fine, it is fine. For things like bread, I've seen sometimes when I put bread in the fridge and it has gone off because of the expiry date that's written on the packaging, when I actually look at the bread and I feel it, it's perfectly fine. Sometimes you realise it's wet or moist and then, I guess, you can't eat it. But there's been many times when I've looked at bread and I've felt it And I've also eaten it and I haven't died. So, you know, literally, it's just up for inspection. Inspect the thing. And if it looks perfectly fine and you can't see any mold on it and it's not moist or looking like it has gone off, then it is safe to eat. So definitely don't waste it. Don't waste food. Friends of the Earth also have a list of 40 different ways that you can use your stale bread. And apparently you can make many dishes with stale bread. You can also, I didn't really know this but it's a really good tip, you can also revive your bread by just moistening a little bit by sprinkling some water on it and then putting it into the oven. Apparently that helps stale bread get revived so you can definitely try that out. Another thing is that you can actually feed birds your stale bread. Many people have told me that feeding bread to birds is really really bad, it's really bad for their digestion, it's bad for them but it is actually recommended by the RSPB. I'll put the link for that on my website. They've said that if you just make sure that the bread is broken up into smaller pieces so birds can digest it really well and you make sure that you don't leave the bread out in the night so you don't invite rodents and you also make sure that the bread is brown so it's brown bread, then it's all good. Apparently you can actually give bread to birds, just making sure that it is brown and you have broken up the bread into small enough pieces so the birds can eat it and digest it well. So yeah, apparently you can even give unsalted meat to some birds, like blue tits. They can easily eat that. Again, you need to chop up the meat properly And make sure that it's not salted and it's not fried in any way. I don't know quite a lot of this so definitely check out that article on the RSPB. You can also freeze bread to increase its shelf life. A lot of breads nowadays you can just refrigerate it and I've never tried that but it sounds like a really good idea. And last but not least you can also make your own bread to make sure that you've made enough for yourself or for your family. And you're not wasting bread because you bought a really big loaf and nobody really wanted to have bread that week and it's gone stale. The next way you can reduce your food waste is actually stop being so choosy. There's so many people that would actually prefer a straight carrot compared to a wonky carrot or a bunch of bananas compared to a bunch that has one banana sprouting from another banana. Just because it looks wonky or different doesn't mean that it's not fit for eating. Again, don't judge a book by its cover. Applies to fruit and vegetables. Just because it looks wonky or just because it looks a bit weird doesn't mean that you can't eat it. So basically just eat whatever is there, unless it's mouldy, unless it's soft, unless it physically looks and also feels like it's gone off. So definitely just eat anything basically instead of wasting stuff and yeah, just don't be choosy. All fruit and vegetables are perfectly fine to eat unless they have gone moldy. Another way you can stop your food waste going to landfills for anyone that has a garden and also for people that have a compost, compost any gone off fruit and vegetables. Also, bread, you can compost bread as well because you doing that will ensure that the nutrients from the fruit, vegetables, or bread is returning back into the soil rather than ending up on landfills where the fruit and vegetables and bread and food in general will just be breaking down and producing methane. So definitely if you have a compost heap, put all the gone-off fruits and vegetables and bread into the heap and then use it to garden. But, big but, we shouldn't be relying on this. Just because you can compost fruits and vegetables doesn't mean that you should be stocking so many into your fridge and then, you know, once it goes off, just chuck it into the compost heap. That's not helping us reduce our consumption of things we're just not going to be eating that's not helping reduce the emissions related to the fruits and vegetables to help them grow and then all we're doing is just throwing it away that's not helping anything that's not helping climate change that's not helping the emissions related to agriculture so composting should be your last resort you know if you forgot to eat something put into the compost heap there are also many ways to reduce food wastage not just at home but also outside for instance when you go to a restaurant Please remember to just take those leftovers from a meal that you really enjoyed because, again, no one's going to be eating your leftovers. It's going to be going straight into the bin. So take it home, you know, eat it the next day. Don't waste food at your home or outside. There are also many apps that can actually help you reduce your food waste outside your home. For instance, Too Good To Go is actually an app that helps you link to restaurants that have a surplus amount of food and that food has been put to a discounted price. So let's say if you find your favorite restaurant on that app, you can get food at around two to three pounds 80. That is great. So not only are you helping restaurants limit the amount of food wastage, but then you're getting their food at a discounted price. Apparently the app has helped avoid 27 tons of CO2 emissions already, and that was only in 2017. I think it definitely would have increased by now just because excess food wasn't wasted by restaurants. Again not all restaurants are on there and most people don't know about this app but it is definitely a great initiative to help reduce food waste not just at your home but also outside as well. So definitely check out Too Good To Go. I don't think it's in all countries around the world but if it is in your country definitely go for it. The only downside to the app is that they don't deliver Of course, and you have to go to that particular restaurant, but they tell you how far it is and everything like that. And you can't choose stuff. So, for someone like me who is basically 95% vegan, I think it is a bit more challenging unless I go for the vegan restaurants. For people that aren't vegan or vegetarian, definitely try it out. Even vegetarians, there'll be many restaurants on there that are vegetarian. And basically, you get given a bag of goodies essentially. And you only pay for up to £4 for it. And you get quite a lot of things from that restaurant or company. And yeah, discounted food. Great. So definitely try it out. There is another app called Olio. And the app allows customers to find excess fruit and vegetables in other people's houses or supermarkets. And plus, the food is not just excess food, but also food that's about to go off. So you know whenever you go to supermarkets and you see clearance items, Essentially, that. So, you can actually find out what supermarkets are giving away surplus food or food that's about to go off, or even households. Yeah, so I mean, if you're really up for that, definitely go for it. Also, if you do find that you do have quite a lot of food that you do throw away, then you can give a lot of your food to food banks. You can find your nearest food bank and you can donate food from there, and then that can help other families get healthier meals. So, Definitely, there are many, many ways that you can help reduce your own food wastage. So that was food wastage and how we can reduce our own food emissions by just cutting down on the amount of food we waste and rather just eating it. The next best thing is just to have a better choice of diet. Again, this is not my way to say that you should become a vegetarian or a vegan. That is a personal choice, I have no right to tell you that, just like how nobody has a right to tell me what to eat. But it is true that we do need to focus on having a better diet for ourselves and for the planet. As mentioned before, I keep saying this, just try to cut down on your beef and lamb consumption. A lot of it, by the way. Because we know how greenhouse gas intensive beef and lamb are. Not just beef and lamb, meat in general. Livestock produce a lot, a lot, a lot of carbon emissions, like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, the first part of this episode. Even fish and seafood, especially crustaceans, cut down on your amount of seafood, cut down on amount of meat. It will have a very, very positive impact on your health and also the health of the planet. Next thing. Reduce your visits to the restaurants because, yes, sure, you can take away any leftovers. But a lot of the time, let's say, we feel like, oh, no, it's fine. We won't take that thing away or, oh, I didn't really like that thing. You know, food is just wasted there. And not only you, but also restaurants themselves, they waste a lot of food. They make batches and batches of food. And if people don't consume that, they'll just throw it away. Some restaurants will actually give it to food banks, but many don't. So why don't we just cut down on the amount of visits we make to restaurants? Again, it's beneficial to your health and it's beneficial to your pocket as well. And again, it will be beneficial to the planet. When buying fruits and vegetables, just make sure that you're trying your best to get loose fruits and vegetables because although packaged vegetables might look better value for money, it's using so much plastic that plastic is single use. And again, that will end up in landfills we already know how bad that is and if you've forgotten definitely look back at my episode part 2.2 of this climate change should be a priority series but yeah essentially try to avoid packaged fruit and vegetables that includes pre-prepared salad bowls or cut up vegetables or peeled carrots even washed stuff as well again all of these will be using more water and more energy to of course pack and cut your fruits and vegetables so try to just go for whole fresh fruit and vegetables And try to go for the loose ones, if you really can. Also, try to eat as local as possible. Local doesn't always mean it's less greenhouse gas intensive, but on average, it would be. And even if you can't, try to go for organic produce, because organic produce won't be using artificial fertilisers or chemicals that will be damaging for the environment. And again, it won't be as damaging to eat, because those chemicals won't be going in you. Try to eat as few of processed foods as you can, whether that's sweets, whether that's canned foods, whether that's meat, whether that's dairy, whether that's even vegan cheese, you know, just try to reduce on the amount of processed foods you have because it's in the name, processed. They have been processed to the point that you can eat them and they taste very nice, so again that I'll be using a lot of energy which will be then using fossil fuels and again emitting more so reduce the amount of processed foods you have because it's good for you and good for the planet also I wanted to actually talk about this in the plastics episode but I think I forgot try to drink as much tap water as you can unless you're in a country where tap water is not safe to drink. Especially in the UK, people, UK people, definitely drink more tap water than bottled water because not only will you be taking in less plastic, but you'll also be reducing your single-use plastic bottles. So the amount of single-use plastic bottles you'll be using will definitely go down, which again has higher footprints of itself. So definitely drink tap water. Don't think that bottled water is a cleaner water supply because it isn't. Just to give you some stats, people that drink tap water daily drink up to 4,000 microplastics. That seems like a lot. Compared to people that only drink bottled mineral water, they drink up to 94,000 microplastics per day. That is insanely massive. So definitely drink as much tap water as you can. Please don't be under that delusion that bottled mineral water is better for you unless of course you're in a country where tap water is just not safe enough to drink. So if you can take the privilege of having tap water and yes that will definitely be reducing the amount of plastic bottles you're using and again reducing the emissions related to plastic bottles which will help the climate crisis. I understand I've given a lot of solutions and lots of ways that you can help reduce the emissions regarding agriculture but if you really think about it it's all basic stuff. Obviously the government and the farmers part is for them but for us it's very basic it's very easy things that we can easily adopt in our life and once we become eco-conscious once we become so aware of our actions we wouldn't have to think as much so you just need to get into the habit of it because Like I said, I'm not saying these things because I like it, because I think it's fun to try to reduce our emissions and reduce our energy usage and think about what transport I'm using and what things I'm buying. I don't think it's fun, but it's essential to help our planet because this is the planet that we're living on. This is a planet that me and you are living on. And if we don't play our part, it will become inhospitable. So we need to do our best to help save planet Earth and to also help solve the climate crisis. Thank you for listening. I hope you've gained a little more insight to what it's like to be mindful of everything. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast app to be up to date with episode releases, and go over to my website mindfulofeverything.home.blog to get more information. This is Agrita with the Mindful of Everything podcast and I shall see you next time.